All right, guys, what's up, and welcome to episode two of the Brave Birds podcast. I'm Zach, and we got Will. Hello. Artie. Hello. And Rhett. Hey. All right, today we're going to be talking a lot, a little bit about preseason, good bit about the MLB, and a good bit about college football. Uh, so, Will, take us away. All right, guys, NFL preseason. I'm not going to dive into it as much as we did last week. Couple stuff, a uh, couple of points that we want to highlight though. <clears throat> Artie, kick me off. Tell me about your boy. Tell me about what you uh, saw this past weekend in the preseason games. So, uh, the first one that we want to talk about is uh, probably one of the most talked about points is the big quarterback battle up in New England. Um, this week in particular, both team, both quarterbacks showed a lot of promise. Um, Cam Newton was able to move the ball very effectively um, through a great touchdown pass, was able to move the ball, control the field, was able to see the field really well, um, and had a really good – I believe he played almost the whole first half. Um, once it got swapped over to Mac Jones, again, uh, very successful moving the ball. Um, 13 of 19, 146 yards. Um, Cam Newton was a little bit more accurate, but – Mac Jones definitely showed that promise from a new quarterback that you want. So, Artie, I'm seeing here that Cam Newton is having some trouble following the COVID-19 protocols that are being out, uh, laid out by the Patriots facility. What do you know about this? So, from what I understand it, um, he's had his regular testing. Um, what my basic understanding was, he basically did something – I didn't necessarily get a defined answer of. It said it was like a failure to comply with some rule. Um, and he also hasn't stated whether or not he's vaccinated um, and said it was a personal matter, which is fine. That's understandable. Um, but uh, yeah, I think because of that, because the uncertainty and then as well as the possibility of being contact with somebody who has tested positive, um, I think he's going to be – I think he's away from the field until either Thursday or Friday of this week. So Mac Jones will get the first team reps. Sure. We're going to continue with the the QB battles here. Uh, let's pivot on over to our rivals in the division, New Orleans Saints. So I got a chance to view just a small glimpse of this game, and I, I saw Jameis Winston out there just tossing some bombs. Artie, Rhett, I believe that you guys both got to watch this game as well. Um, tell me, give me your feedback and your input on what you saw from Jameis Winston, because it kind of seems like he's the answer that the Saints are looking for. Brett, you want to go first? Yeah. Um, so Jameis Winston looked really good, and I think Jameis Winston has a lot of promise. The thing with this quarterback battle is you really, like, they're two opposite play styles, essentially. You're going to get slinging the ball everywhere by Jameis Winston, and his issue is going to be keeping the turnovers down. Jameis has been known for throwing a lot of pick sixes, and if he can keep that down, I believe he'll be the starter. And then, um, sorry, give me one second. I'm blanking on his name. I don't know why. Tyson Hill. Taysom Hill. Yeah, Taysom, Taysom Hill. And then Taysom Hill on the other side, just he's a swish army knife. He can literally do anything on the field. The only thing I haven't seen him do outstandingly is throw the deep ball. Um, I think – both quarterbacks will be used just because Sean Payton is a maniac when it comes to a lot of things mm -hmm. and he'll use them both. 
but I just think Winston's a better option. Also, going back to the Cam Newton thing, from what I'm seeing, he got his daily COVID tests, which were all negative, but there was a mis- or misunderstanding in the fact that he had to get them at NFL facilities, and he was not. Okay. This is also a policy that – or the five-day negative test result policy is for unvaccinated players, which gives you the answer on that one. Got it. And – I don't think this will be a big deal. Yes, it'll make it so he can't get the first team reps for a week, but I I think the Patriots are still going to start the veteran, um, and then it's just going to come down to mistakes. They both look good, so I think it could go either way. Mm -hmm. And I think that you make a good point there. You talk about mistakes, Red, as we're uh, starting this conversation off with Jameis Winston. You know, The mistakes are going to be what cost him the starting position as well there for the Saints. So let's stick with the QB battles, and let's pivot on over to the 49ers. We've got Trey Lance versus Jimmy G. Um, From what I saw this week, Trey Lance did not look that good. I did not get to watch the entire game, though. Apologize for everybody listening back at home. I'm currently fighting something off. I'm under the weather. But, gentlemen, do you guys have a a chance to look at or to watch the 49ers game at all? From, I I guess I'll go first. From my point of view, um, he definitely struggled early. Uh, he threw an early interception um, and had a couple like loose um, incompletions. But he finished the game eight of 14, 102 yards, and two touchdowns um, with that interception. Um, he also had one rush for eight yards. If I think I believe that was to get a first down. Um, so. You see the progress. You see um, they're still using their quarterbacks loosely, in my opinion. And I I, I think, um, like, they're all only getting a certain amount of reps. Trey Lance does seem to get a, be getting the most of them, which kind of gives me the feeling that he might be leading towards that starting job. But, again, it's can he keep an interception? Can he keep interceptions down? But I think that comes with rhythm and the fact that he was basically out for a whole season – um, because the North Dakota State didn't play. Um, I think that's just going to be some growing pains, but that's why we have a preseason. And when you give it a comparison as to, like, Jimmy G, he went three of six for 15 yards and uh, an interception. Um, so comparing the two, Trey Lance obviously did better. I think you're getting two. Either option would be fine. I think Trey Lance is just looking better right now. <clears throat> Yeah, so once again, like I said, didn't get to watch the full game, but I I saw that interception, so that was where I got my negative take from. I think you're right, though. Trey Lance will be the the better performer down the stretch, but I think it's too early to call who's going to have the QB1 spot for the 49ers. Now, sticking with the QB battles, we'll switch over to one that appears – the rookie is now far ahead in the race. We're going to go with the Jaguars. <clears throat> so there's a bunch of news that came out this week for the Jaguars, um, not just in regards to the quarterbacks, but also some team injuries. Rhett and Zach, do you guys care to comment? Um, All that I read up on was that Jaguars' Travis Etienne suffered a serious leg injury that as of right now, they're saying to put him on the injured list for most likely the rest of the year, possibly season injuring, season ending. But I was about to say, James Robinson will benefit the most from this. He and they have Carlos Hyde. 
Yeah, James Robinson established himself last year as a really good running back. And while I was big on Travis Etienne coming in and shaking it up, James Robinson's going to perform now that he doesn't have Etienne to compete with. Carlos Hyde, I don't think, is a big threat at all. Yeah, I, I would I'd probably put Carlos Hyde around that. Um, you know, I need a third down, one, two yard mm-hmm. game, maybe a couple receiving passes if James Robinson's exhausted. Um, and that was kind of going to be the hole that Etienne filled was when James Robinson was tired. Um, but my understanding is James Robinson was going to be the starter. Now it's just going to be more on his back, really, to carry it. Who did Hyde play for last week? I mean, last year. Wasn't it the Broncos? Uh, He was with San Francisco for a while. He was with San Francisco for a while, and he was with the Texans for a yeah, while. I don't I think, know where it was. I think Texans might have been last year. I can actually look that up. Fair enough. And uh, while Artie's going to go ahead and confirm that, I'm just going to pivot over to our hometown heroes. So, we got some news about the Falcons. First off, the preseason game, you know, not what we wanted for the results, but it really doesn't matter. It's preseason. So this is just getting some guys out there and getting them playing time. We still didn't have many of our starters. The Falcons sat a lot of their starters on both sides. <clears throat> I did see, though, Young Wei Koo's putting up some numbers. Um, Young Wei Koo is my guy. Trust him with special teams. He's going to do great. So from a special team standpoint, I already say that we're improving. Now, we do have some news uh, that came out as well in regards to the Falcon quarterback situation, guys. Um, who cares to elaborate on this? So, luckily, honestly, he wasn't even doing that well. But A.J. McCarron tore his ACL in the game, and then Felipe Franks had to come in. But with that torn ACL, he's out for the season. So, that being said, we actually just signed um, signed a free agent just the other day who we'll probably get to see a lot of this weekend. Josh Rosen was the one that we signed, and how did he do last year? So, Josh Rosen's actually, he's been a backup quarterback for a little bit, um, but I think that to pick it up, piggyback off what you said, yeah, you know, stinks for A.J. McCarron. Uh, fortunately for the Falcons, this wasn't our number one pick or number one QB and we were able to grab Josh Rosen who was the 10th overall pick in the 2018 draft I think that this is going to give the Falcons a great QB2 to rely on I'm excited to see what he will do I don't know when he's going to see the field though for the Falcons so so we're going to round out talking about the last two QB battles here we had the Broncos uh, putting a beating on the Seahawks in preseason been up on them 33 both drew lock and teddy bridgewater looking good at qb like i said last week i'm gonna say it again trust teddy b i know drew locks there i know he is you know the young star that denver is hoping to grow into this superstar one day but for right now we gotta trust teddy bridgewater drew locks getting those results that's great he can learn under teddy b as a coach and um, <clears throat> as a mentor, and he'll he'll be able to perform, you know, so much better by the time that he's been in the, the league just as long as Teddy B has. Moving past this QB battle, let's switch on over to the Bears. Talk about our hometown hero, Justin Fields, going up against Andy Dalton. Guys, we saw the clip from this past weekend. Everybody's thankful Justin Fields is okay. Uh, let's talk about the game a little bit, though. 
Yeah, so Justin Fields got drilled, but literally, he, they got uh, roughing the passer. Luckily, called on him for that hit. But he literally stood up, put it back on his helmet, and went on. So it didn't look like it phased him at all. So the fact that he can take hits like that for the NFL, I like to see that. Um, also, he's going to be, I think he's going to get the starting position. Um, with the Bears line, isn't that great? He's a great scramble quarterback, and he can get out of the pocket and get looks for uh, looks downfield. And if he needs to, he has legs. He can run that damn ball. So, Bears did get wrecked by the Bills, forty-one to fifteen. Um, but Justin Fields didn't do as good as we were hoping. He only went he went nine for nineteen, got eighty yards. Yeah, but Andy Dalton, eleven for seventeen, one hundred forty-six. So that's a good fight. The only thing that I fight for about him starting is getting that out of the pocket. And as he progresses, he literally talks to his team about what what they need to do better and what he needs to do better. He doesn't wait till film or anything. He addresses it right as it happens. So that's huge step for him and how he's going to be a leader on the team. And hopefully he'll take the starting position. I also think Fields looked good with rushing. He rushed four times for 46 yards. That just shows that he can get out of the pocket when their line fails to do their job. No, I think that's a, a good sign showing that Justin Fields can get out of the pocket and perform. This Bears-Bills game was also interesting just because you had the old Bears QB, Mitchell Trubisky, uh, putting on the Bills jersey and going up against his former team. So, <clears throat> honestly, just an interesting matchup. And um, after that, guys, we're going to go ahead and just wrap up NFL preseason. Having touched on the QB battles, we'll move on to the other sports. All right, let's talk some MLB. Braves are on fire. They were 9-0 going into the game against the Yankees, and sadly we fell to the first game, got second game. Uh, sadly, top of the ninth, losing 5-3. to three, But All right, so as of right now, we're luckily we still have a five-game win. Uh, five games up on the Phillies and luckily the Phillies are losing right now to Tampa Bay so if we lose tonight it'll be alright although people are going to dick on us because we lost to the Yankees and we were only on our 9 win streak because we played bad teams but hey 9 wins is 9 wins I will take that it got us a great lead for the East but I mean that's what good teams do like you can sit there and say Yes, we had a nine-win streak against bad teams, but that's what good teams do, is you win the games you're supposed to win. And that's what we needed to do. That's what we touched on last episode. So who cares that we got these wins against subpar teams? I still think it's a very like it's a very positive thing that we're able to close out all of those games that we needed to. Yes, no, especially, especially getting that far ahead of the Phillies. So. Uh, no, I, I definitely I – think, I think that Rhett's right. I mean – at the end of the day, a win is a win, right? It doesn't matter how you get the number of wins. It just matters that you make the dance come October. So <clears throat> I think, if anything, it's a good morale booster for the Braves, something that you know they have in the back of their mind as they're coming home. They're playing these couple of games against the Phillies. <clears throat> oh, shoot, sorry. Um, I think that it's a good morale booster for the Braves. Um, you know, they're they're coming back home with this 9-0 streak in the back of their minds they know what they're capable of and it just shows improvement because we're not closing or we're continuing to close out the wins that we need which is something that we have struggled on previously in the season so overall i think these are good signs nothing to be upset about and 
um, we've got a bunch of, of good stats, actually, uh, that came out from this past weekend. So, Zach, I'll let you take the point on that. Tell us about those, those statistics we want to talk about. Yes, I want to talk about my favorite player in the whole MLB right now, Max Freed. He pitched for a Maddox. People don't know what a Maddox is. He threw under a shutout game and under 100 pitches. He threw exactly 90. Um, only 317 total Maddoxes have been pitched since they started started tracking that stat. So that was huge for Max, especially since he started the year off not too hot. But he is getting hot and he is getting fired up and getting super good and ready for postseason. Um, he's also only walked one batter in the last 71 batters he's faced. So that is insane. But yeah, so he's going to come out pitching against the Giants on um, on Saturday. After our well, we'll have a two day two get day break before the Giants game, which is going to be another huge game to play. I think another stat that we've really seen pop up at the second half of the season um, has been Freddie. Um, he was batting earlier on in the season, especially we were in their slump living in the sub 500 for most of the season. He was batting, you know, 218. I think he dropped down to like 187 at one point, and now he's back up to 297 um, prior to this game. His on-base percentage is 393, um, and he's got 27 home runs. So I think – for Freddie and I heard a I heard some announcer a long time a while ago earlier in the season saying like it's surprising we've never seen Freddie hit this poorly early on in the season but everybody was like yeah he's going to be batting 318 by the end of the season and they're not wrong he's, <laughs> he's getting, getting close, close to it he's getting close to that 300 um and it's definitely coming on right when we need it um I know Swanson also just passed the 25 home run mark um, and a lot of the guys that we mentioned last week, the trades that we've made um, have shown up big, especially in the offensive zone um, and getting those points on the bar, especially against good teams like the Reds that we played not too long ago, the Phillies um, teams that we that we know can score points. Um, it, it's really good to see that our hitting has come online and then people that like Freed have just been holding it down at the starting pitcher spot. Yep. And all right. Let's talk about Freddie even more. Freddie hits for his second cycle of his career, which is a crazy stat. They're only one of 26 players who have hit for multiple cycles. And to top that all off, there have only been four total cycles hit by the Braves. And guess what? Freddie has half of them. So he is definitely coming out hot in this second half of the season. Hope he stays hot. And what's even better is he's right. Uh, Austin Riley's right behind him in the uh, batting lineup. He's at 27 home runs. He's going to hit 30 by the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the way that we're going, we could we could have probably three to four guys with 30 plus home runs this season. That's going to be fantastic to see. All of our infielders are on pace for over 30 home runs, which is just unheard of which obviously if we had Acuna still healthy and he could top that off being an outfielder to do it as well, but all of our infielders... He'd already be over it. He'd already be oh, over yes, it. Oh, yes, very easily. Playing. But our infielders, they haven't missed many games. They've been playing extremely well. They're the core of our team, and they've been performing. So that's really and all that we can ask for from them. 
another awesome stat is what there our infielders are on track for 135 total um, home runs as a squad and the last team to do it i think was the houston astros they had 139 is the record for infield um home runs so we'll and we're not we even can... cheating yeah <laughs> so we'll see if we can beat that stat or not or at least stay on pace for that 135 but another uh player to highlight is um Soler, jorge Soler. he has come out fire since we picked him up he has around 10 home runs since the all-star break which is huge for us and he's raised his uh batting average i think he started batting with us at 1.9 was his average and now he's at like 2.1 or so so the fact that he's already raised it that much in this little amount of games i hope he keeps that hot streak up too all right let's move on to what hap what's happened in the east so coming into august of course braves are red hot we are 16 and 4 in august which is crazy mm -hmm. and here's another good one Mets had a four-game lead coming into August. They are now six, five games back. six and a half games back. Whew. Holy cow, it's updated. Yeah. yeah, and the Phillies have lost seven of the last nine. Which is huge for us. Sorry, so Michael let's Foster. hope they lose tonight and lose eight of the last ten. Or I, say, I think okay. something we've done really well is we got hot when everyone else in our division started falling apart which we obviously can't control what they do, but it hasn't, like, this month has been amazing for us. The two teams that were ahead of us have essentially fallen apart and started losing games left and right, and we've won the games we need to. Now we just need to get some wins off the Giants, hopefully this win off New York and the Dodgers, and I think we're golden. Yeah, I think that if we can do that, we can just stay, because we've got a five-game cushion, which means if, if we can just stay ahead of the Phillies by that many games give us some breathing room going into this more difficult part of our schedule. I think we're going to make the dance. And honestly, I, I, I just, I'm looking at the stat now. Um, we're mentioning Acuna earlier to try and help us round out the home runs. <clears throat> um, going off of that, speaking of the Phillies, Acuna hasn't played in over a month, but he still has more runs scored, home runs, RBIs, and stolen bases than Bryce Harper. So, all you Philly fans out there, Michael Fossil, I'm looking at you. I hope that high dollar value is worth it because it doesn't look like it's paying off. Also, what I find hilarious about that is people are starting to put Bryce Harper in the MVP race. How? Acuna has not played in over a month, and he still has, like, he's leading him in all of these important stats. How can you put Bryce Harper that high when Acuna just is still leading? It, it makes no sense to me, and I think it's hilarious. Yep. And... One good thing about our road trip we just had, we broke our record of uh, 12 consecutive road wins, most in our franchise history. And while doing that, sweeping the Orioles, I know they're bad this year, but that was our first time sweeping them in 21 years. So I we definitely came out of that road trip with a huge win, getting that far above the Phillies, um, just getting hot. Now we're getting into the good teams. But we're now knowing how to hit. So we'll see how it comes to the end. Um, one thing I want to talk about while everybody was uh, talking about Freddie Freeman being the hot free agent, the hot one of the hottest free agents on the market next year. Um, he said in a conference that he doesn't like to talk about his 
contract during the season. So all you people looking for Freddie to come join your team, it's not going to happen. He's going to stay to the Braves. They just he just doesn't want to talk about it till after the season. So I think we'll definitely keep him. He'll sign with us, and we'll have another MVP next year. So yeah, he's been with if us. Not, I'm quitting. I'm quitting. <laughs> yeah, no, podcast. I'm moving out of this. He's city. been with us since he started. He has a family here. He started a family here. He has multiple kids with his wife. They don't want to leave, and I don't think they're going to leave. So. Mm-mm. So yeah, I definitely think he's gonna stay, and I can't wait for that. I'm I'm very interested in how his um, what his contract will be though. All yeah, right. I mean they gotta pay. The, I think the biggest thing is, are they gonna pay him what he's worth? Um, hopefully, hopefully they're able to. Um, I know we've had a couple uh, signings like with Darnod having that big week last week. Um, he what had a baby, signed a big contract, and had a crazy good home run. Yeah, all in like all, th- all in like four day period, twenty four hours. Yeah, that was crazy. Travis Darno is back now from maternity leave, or paternity leave. He is back now playing for the team. Um, so. Good to have him back. Congrats to the family, but we're glad to have him back. <clears throat> yes, and his backup Will Contreras wasn't too bad compared to where he was when he was here the first time Travis had to leave he was very bad at blocking wild pitches and then this time he stepped up and blocked pretty much 90% of the wild pitches that was thrown at him so he has improved a lot the only thing that he needs to improve on now is his batting and I think he can he's super young he has plenty of time to improve that yeah I I think it's for me it's one of those things too where we've I, I may think I mentioned it last week, but we have had so many catchers playing this season. I think they made it. I think I saw a stat. It was like we had like seven or eight starting catchers somehow sometime throughout the season. So having one that we can actually put money into that we can now say, you know, we're going to put roots into you. Um, he can kind of put his roots down into the city. Um, we can back him as an organization, as a fan base, um, and get that support. I think we'll be able to fill out any gaps in his game because he is—he's a pretty good, solid catcher. Yeah, and I think this is the first catcher we have had since Brian McCann that I am happy we have had, or like, are going to have for a while. Yeah, because we've been sure. hopping random catchers since Brian McCann, and this is the first guy that I think can step up and fill the catcher role that, or yeah, the catcher role that we need. Yep. All right, let's talk about the remaining schedule for the Braves. It's a tough... Our next two series are our toughest series of the rest of the year, minus playing the Giants later. But our next two series, after the Yankees, we have the Giants come to us and play at home field, luckily. so, And we have a two-day rest on that right before they come in. So that's going to be huge. And then we fly out to L.A. to play the Dodgers. Already got one series, one on them. Let's go for another one. Luckily, we got... Pretty easy after that. We got the Rockies, who actually are looking pretty good right now, but I think we can take them. Got the Nationals after that, and the Marlins again. So that's the next couple next couple uh, series we got. And otherwise, the only big teams I see that we'll be facing after the these next two series, we got Giants later in September, uh, September 17th for them for three games, and then we got the Padres on September 24th for three games. It will probably be four games because we still have that suspended game from when they were here and we had that rain out. 
So we'll have four games against the Padres and one to finish, or three games against the Padres and one to finish. Then we close the season out with the Phillies and then the Mets. I feel like this season honestly might come down to those last two series. What do y'all think? Will? Yeah, so I think that you're right. We've definitely got the hardest stretch right ahead of us, as I was touching on earlier. But, um, you know, we've got some good help that's going to be calling back, that's going to be coming back. So just want to fix what I said. Travis Darnold and his, and his wife, they did just have their child yesterday. He's just playing in the game tonight, and then he's headed back to the hospital. Um, so I think once we get Darnold back, that combined with um, our pitching getting an upgrade in the form of Ian Anderson returning, I think that's going to be great, and I think it'll give us just what we need to hold on to our lead in the NL East and uh, push us through. All right, you got any thoughts on the rest of the season? No, I think you guys hit on all of it. I think it's going to come out to those last couple of series, and hopefully we can get a couple wins off of these bigger teams. I mean, it's it's one thing to say, like, yeah, we should, you know, we. I'm glad that we took the games we should have won, kind of acting like these – Yankees Dodgers kind of games that were may or maybe not supposed to win. Um, but these are the same teams that we're going to be seeing in October. So these are the teams that we need to be able to get wins off of. If we're going to make it past the first round, the second round um, get into the world series. So I think the more improvement we can see in these games that we may or may not be supposed to win is going to be the big ones. Cause we know we can, we've played well, we're, what almost we're over plus a hundred runs now or something against the Phillies and the Mets as far as point differential. I think those games I'm less worried about, even if they're close, but I think it's gonna be we need to win these games that are maybe fifty fifty games because those are the teams we'll be playing in a month. Yep, we're right at plus eighty eight right now. And then if we can pull this game off, we'll be Plus even more. If we're not, we'll be minus two, so we'll be at plus eighty six. That's still a huge run differential for the team. So, right. Any thoughts on the last bit of our season? I mean, y'all touched on it. San Francisco, Los Angeles, San Francisco again, and San Diego will all be rough. We're playing a lot of California teams that have really good records. But if we can get some games off of them and then win the, or win the games we should against Washington, Miami, Arizona, it'll put us in a really good position before we have to play the Phillies and the Mets to close off the season. So, yeah. I mean, if we win the games we should, split the games that are 50-50, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, and one good thing about the Padres right now is they're on a cold streak. They just lost the uh, wild card. I did not expect that to happen. I expected the uh, the two wild card spots to be either LA uh, Giants and then the Padres, but hey, Reds just took that. So, well, San Diego also just fired their pitching coach, which is wild. They're they have one of the best bullpens in baseball, but their starters have been horrendous. So they fired their pitching coach. Maybe that leads to some confusion while they're still figuring that out when we play them and we can do well against them. All right, sadly, the Braves just lost to the Yankees. Super close game. Four to five in the bottom of the ninth. We had bases loaded. Freddie was about five feet from hitting a grand slam. Sadly, they caught it. We lost. But, hey, we put on a great fight for that last game. So much better than the first game we had. So let's take that into this two-day break and pick right where we left off.
against the Giants. So let's move on to college football. All right. So as we know, uh, week zero, which is pretty much for anybody that doesn't know, it's when college football's first couple games are played. Um, it's usually about four to seven games um, of the Division One schools playing before the rest of the teams play the following week. Um, so this week we have Nebraska versus Illinois, which is probably going to be the biggest name, biggest game, being it's a Big t- Big Ten game. UConn, Fresno State, Hawaii versus UCLA, um, UTEP versus New Mexico State, Southern Utah and, against San Jose State. Um, so what are you guys thinking? Let's talk about the Nebraska-Illinois game. Who do you guys have? Well, in this big tit game, I have Nebraska. I, I would assume Nebraska just wins this one pretty easily. I believe in Scott Frost in the smaller games, of course. But I, I think this one should be pretty easily Nebraska. Um, I think Illinois got a decent or had a, a decent team in years past, but I, I just don't think they have as good of a program. I think that this win's going to matter more to Scott Frost. He's got to put up results there at Nebraska. But, yeah, just out of these two, I'd say Nebraska's probably got it. Um, so, yeah, just talking about Nebraska, Scott Frost has, like I said, he's not been performing well. And he – so he currently has a losing record. Um, he's 12-20 and 20 in his first three seasons there. I just think that Nebraska's got more to lose, uh, especially with the, the story that's surfaced under which Nebraska's under NCA investigations for reported violations about possibly illegal recruiting. First off, I hope that's not true because if they're illegally recruiting and they're still this bad, then God bless them. But um, yeah, this this wins. This one is gonna be mean more to Scott Frost than anybody. So I think that Nebraska should roll over Illinois. All right, and then we go uh, up north to the UConn-Fresno State game. So so I will say for this one, UConn's traveling all the way to California to play Fresno State. Fresno – excuse me, guys. <coughs> UConn's traveling all the way to California to play Fresno State, and UConn didn't have a football season last year. Um, Fresno State was just beating up on everybody that they were going up against. I mean, they were putting up some big numbers. I think I saw early on that Fresno State is almost a four-touchdown favorite for this game. Yeah, it's there, 27 there's no, and a half points. Yeah, there's no doubt about it in my mind. Fresno State is going to blow UConn out at home. Like I said, UConn's going to have a whole bunch of rust players coming back that haven't played in so long and you're traveling all the way to California to play at Fresno State. Fresno State's got this game easily. All right, then moving on to Hawaii UCLA. Um currently the line is 18 points for UCLA. So I I so this is Chip Kelly's year to like actually prove himself as a head coach. Um I I don't know though if they'll you know i don't i don't think that they'll beat hawaii that badly obviously i'm hoping so but this is gonna be a a good game to see where chip kelly's team is at where and how how we can range ucla for the year they haven't really been a threat in recent years but this might change it a little bit i don't know i think that this depending on i i think it's clear they win but depending on how much they win by it's gonna be a it's gonna be a really 
early prediction, you know, too early prediction of how well they're going to do this season. Yeah, I think that makes a good point. We've seen a coach that's had success um, definitely in college and even some in the NFL. Um, and Hawaii has – neither of these teams has necessarily been a dominant force for a while. I think Correct. Hawaii, Hawaii's last um, successful season, they had an undefeated season a few years ago. Um, but it's been a while, and UCLA hasn't necessarily been um, a Pac-12 – relevancy team in a long time yeah no i agree i think that ucla has kind of been a spring sport player for a while now um they've put up a fight in their previous pac-12 seasons for football but it just hasn't been enough for them to be a a a title contender really you know what i'm gonna go out on a branch and say hawaii beats ucla i'd love to (laughs) see that honestly hawaii Honestly, I'm just Brett, not a big I, Chip Kelly person. No, I was about to say the same thing. I, I think I think I'm buying into the Chip Kelly hype here, um, but he, I mean, he doesn't have that good of a record. I I believe his record's ten and twenty one, um, if I'm correct. He hasn't he hasn't really performed anything. So I, what I'm saying is, I think this game's going to cost a lot for you for UCLA. So even if the, you know, it's still possible they beat Hawaii. Even if they do beat Hawaii by, you know, less than less than a touchdown, it's gonna make a lot of heads turn and be like, what in the hell is Chip Kelly doing over there at UCLA? I mean, I think this will cost UCLA a lot in the form of a buyout of Chip Kelly. I don't think Chip Kelly has done anything since he's left Oregon and tried the NFL and come back to college. Definitely. I, I could just see his team falling apart and by the end of the year UCLA having to buy him out. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that Chip Kelly is gonna be on the hot seat depending on how well his team performs in that first game all right so the next game that we have is utep versus new mexico state currently utep is uh slated to win by around 10 what do you yeah, guys think about so, that game so i i've got a take on this too the these schools are are closer in range just by distance than like mississippi state and alabama utep's about 45 minutes away from New Mexico State. So I think that we've got um, a lower level brawl here to kick off the week zero, or excuse me, to um, to start the week zero games <clears throat> before, you know, all of the action really picks up on week one. I think that this game is going to be, um, you know, obviously we don't know much about these teams, but I, 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 I've seen University of Texas El Paso performed slightly in the past. Um, they're not a bad team. This one's going to be closer than we think, and I think this will be a bit of a week zero rivalry, you could say. Yeah, for sure. I can definitely see that. Um, and then that last game, Southern Utah versus San Jose State. I know San Jose State's been one team that we see every year around the bowl uh, contention season. Um, they're always getting into bowl games, usually playing pretty well. Um, right now they're slated to win this game by 22 points. Um, anybody have any takes on it? So, so Southern Utah doesn't really play that many big opponents. I think you're right about San Jose state. You know, we hear their name in the spring as well as, um, around bowl season time. They, they have made a bowl in the past. Oh, hold on a second. I thought I had it pulled up. Their biggest game this year is going to be against USC uh, week one. 
That's going to be the biggest one. Since this is week zero, their biggest game will be the next one against yeah. USC. Yeah. Okay, so I got that is what I was going to say. Yeah, so um, San Jose State, I mean, they, they actually did make the Arizona Bowl last year in 2020. So uh, that's impressive. You know, they're they're a force to be to be reckoned with. But um, I, I think this is just be good for Southern Utah's program in general. They don't play that many big opponents throughout the year. Um, the only other most notable really is going to be when Southern Utah plays, I'd say probably Arizona State um, in uh, the following weekend. So this will be good, but I I. I wouldn't expect much from Southern Utah. I think San Jose, San Jose State is uh, is just going to steamroll. All right. I mean, that sounds good. That's pretty much our week zero wrap-up for what we've got going on now. I, I guess it's probably time to move on to the big news. Um, one of the biggest things that we've seen coming out of this past week and a half or so um, is definitely um, the big news that we're going to see or that we did see coming out this week uh, was the alliance between the ACC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, um, and kind of going over a couple things that they've aligned on. Um, I know what the big one is going to be scheduling, and they've named a couple issues. Uh, what do you guys have? What do you guys have for that one? You know what's funny about the alliance? It's it's literally no paper deal or anything. It's a word. It's like a trust. It's a man's word, basically, is what they yeah. have it as. And yeah. I don't. It's. The only thing about it is they're basically trying to shut up the SEC and like they want to take control. But yeah, I think that they realize how 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 strong the SEC is going to be in the coming years when we get those Big Twelve teams joining us. And so I, I like Zach said, I saw this is just a couple of handshakes between you know presidents, chairpersons, and, and chancellors. Um, they've verbally, you've got over 30 plus chancellors and uh, and heads that have verbally committed, but there's nothing in writing. So if you take a moment to look into it, um, look into the the alliance and what it's about, it's it's basically they've put in that they're gonna do it for, you know, you've got academic support, gender equality, social justice, diversity, inclusion. I, I mean, uh, that's all great. But my question is, why in the world were those programs not 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 um, emphasizing those points beforehand? I don't think that they, they should have needed this alliance in order to take care of their players and take care of their students. So really, all that is, is that's just jazz um, behind the to go along with the the actual music, which is they're going to be doing this for for their schedules. Um, they want to strengthen their schedules because they they really do. They fear the SEC and what it could amount to in the coming years once the SEC grows with the additions of Texas and Oklahoma. So I I honestly think that. <sighs> it might be a while before we see anything come through from this alliance because like Zach said, there's nothing in writing. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we, if we saw this shift in some form or fashion, um, just because, you know, everything's up in the air right now, especially with the big 12 possibly disseminating, um, and those teams joining, all of the other conferences and so just completely spreading out 
what's left with the Big 12 teams to different conferences. So we got a couple different ideas that are being tossed around, and I'm, I'm interested to see which way it really goes. Yeah, I think you definitely have the idea of competing with the SEC with how big it is, but this doesn't just this also isn't just exclusive to football. Um, it's also going to be supposedly in alignment for men's and women's basketball as well. Uh, where not the SEC is still has still has a lot of good teams, but isn't as dominant as they have been in football. Um, so it's going to be right. interesting to see how that is. But I think it also kind of gives a negotiation of it gives more of a level playing field for teams when they have um, when you look at like strength of schedule if you see let's say like a Penn State who would be vying for maybe a fourth spot or once this is expanded maybe a sixth seventh eighth spot and uh-huh. their only team that they've played that's in the top 10 is like Ohio State and maybe on the off chance Michigan has a good year of Michigan if you only see that, but then you see a Georgia who's played Alabama and LSU and Mississippi state and Florida, like obviously Georgia would get in over them, even if they're just still the second best team in their conference. Right. Um, and it's the same thing with, we've seen it for the last couple of years, one or two teams from each of the other con- one, pretty much one team from the other conferences um, kind of holds all the weight for that conference each year. Um, for the Big Ten, it's pretty much been Ohio State. For the Pac-12, you've pretty much had Oregon for a little while. Washington was good when Jacob Eason was there, like one to two-ish years. Um, and then the ACC, you've pretty much had Florida State for two years, and then since then it's just been Clemson. Um, but with the SEC, you, every year you've had one or two teams in. Uh, I think you're kind of getting, hopefully, as we get into the bigger discussions about playoff expanding hopefully we'll have a lot more room of that and the strength of schedule can probably get some of those teams that maybe be as be deserving as far as a skill standpoint as far as a full team standpoint but may just not have the ranking because they've only played one really good team uh throughout the year and maybe lost by a touchdown or something so Artie, let me ask you as we're switching to in the future i believe it's a 12 team playoff setup am i correct there not voted I, on yet. It's not voted on yet. Yeah. Hasn't been passed yet, but it's, yeah. I mean, it's possible that we get to a 12 team playoff. We've got the, the, you know, f- I believe it's 14 teams now in the SEC at that point. And we've got this alliance between the majority of the other conferences. How likely do you think the chances are of a non power five conference team making it into that 12 team playoff? I think you get, I think you get a much higher chance of that happening anytime you increase the numbers. Um, because right now, the only way for them to get in is a, they have to go un- undefeated in their uh, conference, win the conference championship and just look so much better. Like they would have to completely clean house on their conference. Um, not just win, but just completely dominate their conference to even be listed in a discussion. Um, and then be lucky enough to maybe play a good team uh, from one of the other conferences as a strength of schedule game. Um, And even then, it's extremely unlikely. Whereas if you have eight teams or 12 teams, if you have a team that wins their conference that's a power five, like a Cincinnati, um, who has really good players and has gotten consistently better year over year, 
I think that gives them the opportunity to, even if it's not even a top 10 spot, put an 11 or a 12 or, you know, an at-large bid, something like that. Um, like, how how do they compete against Ohio State or a Georgia or a Penn State, um, Oregon, one of these big-name teams that we've seen consistently year over year getting into the playoff that, you know, they – We've seen t- times when Washington was ranked four, got in, got destroyed by Alabama. Mm-hmm. Is there like it's hard for me to see that happen when there's a power five team that's gone undefeated, but because they're not in one of the major conferences, they're not getting in. Um, yeah. and I think so. If, if you can expand that, I think that gives much more diverse of a team pool to get from. Um, and then you get a lot more talent invested. And I think honestly, it opens up the player base as well. If you look at the teams that have had the top draft classes the last six, seven years, however long we've been doing the playoffs since what was it? 2014. Yeah, um, 2014. When you look at that, the teams that have had the best draft classes every year are the same five teams that have made it to the playoff. Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio state, Alabama, Georgia. Those are the top five teams, regardless of order, pretty much the last six or seven draft or classes from a recruiting standpoint. So if you can have 12 teams that all have a chance to actually make it, that's going to evil out your playing pool because now your 30 or whatever top five star players aren't just going to four schools. Now they're going to eight schools or 10 schools. I think that makes it much better for college football as a whole. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing the alliance will like have control over now will be the voting for playoffs and all these things. Since they have three of the five power conferences, they will be able to control how big the playoff is expanded to the draft or the buys in the expanded. And uh, I think that's the biggest like control thing that they will have. And voting together is a very smart thing for them to do because they'll be able to control all that. So, I mean, I think it's a fine play by them to come back at the SEC for picking up two more big revenue schools. So, yeah. Yeah, and what was weird about them doing that is I heard a stat saying that they wanted to push it up to a six-team playoff. Like, how would that make sense when you have two – you have all six, so one person, one of those teams just automatically gets into the championship, whoever wins it, and then you got the other two other two uh, games, duke it out, and then they have to duke it out again to get to the championship. So well, I think would... a six team, if you have only six teams, what you would basically have is two teams get a bye into, mm-hmm. the, into the semifinals, and, uh... then, and then the other four teams battle out to get into the semifinals. And then you have a semifinal game. And then okay, that makes much more a sense. A championship game. Yeah, it, it wouldn't work like that. Now, if you only had like three teams, <laughs> then you would have two teams fighting it out and then the other team getting into the championship. But that's more along the lines of what you would see in like a video game tournament or something yeah. where you'd have like double elimination or something. Yeah, I would rather have like an eight team playoff, to be honest. 12. I think 12 is. I think 12 is a good, I think, yeah. I think 12 or 16 is probably the ideal number because you get a lot wider range. I think that, I think that 12 or 16 team, you know, already, you make a good point. You know, you look at this past year and with a 12 or 16 team playoff, there's a lucky chance we might've seen coastal Carolina in there. 
I mean, you you yeah, mentioned you a Coastal Carolina, UCF, Cincinnati, mm-hmm. any of yeah. these teams that were really good and have exactly. even now preseason top ten, top twelve rankings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that would have been something interesting to see because <laughs> they probably would perform better than Washington did. I mean, I think there's a big gap in between the top three every year and everyone else, even if we move it to a 12. So, yes, it would make it a lot more likely for these non-Power 5 teams to get in. I don't – like, even if these non-Power 5 teams get in, they're going to play a powerhouse week one. And I don't think it'll go extremely well, but it'll still be nice to see them have the chance because then you eliminate the, oh, we're UCF and we were undefeated and we deserve a national championship debate. There will be no more of those debates. Yep. Yeah, and I think you also – there's enough teams that are – they may not win even five out of ten games against a better team. They may not even win seven out of the ten times they would play like an Oklahoma. But if you give Iowa State ten times to play them, they probably could beat them two or three times. And so it's just going to be a matter of who's going to show up on that day. Mm -hmm. But if you only have Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State – in that final four, you never get to see that chance. It's just based on how you played in the regular season. And especially with the way that a lot of the conferences with the big 10, with the big East or not the big East anymore, but (laughs) the big 10 and sec, there's so many teams now in those conferences. They don't even get to chance. They don't even get a chance to play all of the good teams. Mm -hmm. Um, Like there's been plenty of seasons where Georgia's not even played Alabama until the championship game or LSU or whoever, and you run into these situations of, are they really the best team if they haven't played the best team? And I think if you have the expand, have it expanded, you get rid of a lot of those questions. And you'd also get a lot more, you get a lot less transfers. Um, you get a lot more kids being able to vie for time. Um, and a longer season, I, I, as a former college athlete, a longer season may have been brutal. Um and so I could feel for them if that's an issue, but they could easily drop it from a 11 and 12 game season down to a set 10 game season. You play your conference tournament and then you go to the national tournament, spread it out. That's more money for the schools, more money for the programs, more money for the kids. Um, it could be better. I'm not sure what the absolute solution is. Hopefully somebody with more money and better decision-making than me will actually make that call. I just want to see more teams in rather than the big four every time, even being an Ohio State fan. Yeah, and I mean, in college basketball March Madness, we have seen a 16 seed beat a one seed. I know it's not going to happen every year, much less it might happen once every 10 years. But it just it's nice for the Cinderella stories, for the possibility yeah. of it happening. And it gives us more football to watch that are gives, yeah, and it makes, instead of just bowl games. I'm sure it'll make the NCAA a ton of revenue, too. So I'm sure it's a win-win for every side. All right. That wraps it up for the college football. Now, there's one thing I want to talk about. I mean, we still have a month and two months till Hawks play, but they just released a schedule this past Monday. So we huge Hawks get 14 national games televised. And compared to last year, we had one. Like, thank you, Trey Young. (laughs) And another big thing is um, we're actually power rank nine right now to start the season. So that is huge. And I am so happy to see that the Hawks aren't being like shunned anymore. 
Yeah, that's amazing. I really like that we're finally getting the credit. You know, we've got a young team. We just, like we talked about last week, we signed a couple of um, here, hometown heroes. You know, we got Sharif Cooper coming in. I mean, we went to church just across the street from where he played basketball growing up. So I, I think that this team's got a lot of promise, and we saw that, you know, making it all the way to the uh, to the East Finals. Yep, especially with all the re-signings that we mentioned last week. We got a good squad. But one of the uh, notable games, our home opener, or, yeah, our home opener, we got the Mavericks. You know what's crazy about this game? It is back in 2018, Luka Donich and Trey Young got traded that year. We traded Luka Donich to the Mavs. Yeah, and the Mavs traded... Trey Young to us. So they'll always have like a connection right there. Um, we had another uh, matchup against the 76ers on October 30th. I think we play them a couple times, but that's the first time we face them. And that'll be on national TV. So that's nice. And then the other big game I want to say is we got the Knicks on Christmas Day. Oh, I'm so happy we have a Christmas Day game. Actually got something the, to do after time. we open presents. It's the first time in 29 years we've had a Christmas Day game, and I think that's just great for, like, that just shows that everyone knows this uh, team is going to be doing a lot better, and we're finally getting the recognition we need, and I love it. Yes. So, can't wait for that. But, all right, that wraps it up for episode two. Um, thanks for listening again. Uh, Will, I hope you are uh, hope you feel better for the next episode and hope your voice is much better, even though it wasn't bad this thanks, episode. Buddy. But, <clears throat> Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, as all the Atlanta teams say, rise up, go Braves, and believe in the Hawks. Before you guys leave, I just want you to do something for me. Mm-hmm. Do you all do you all have the ESPN app? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, if you go on the ESPN app, I have it. If um, you go to the ESPN app and click on the bottom, click on more. Mm-hmm. Go to NFL. Mm-hmm. And click on standings. Look at all of the look at the point differential right now for the AFC versus the NFC. What the hell? <laughs> oh my lord. At least it's preseason. It's preseason, but it's just oh my astonishing god. that literally oh my god. all but all but the Jaguars are positive in the AFC and the only team positive in the NFC is the Niners. San Francisco. Good oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, but the best teams in the NFC are the worst, like negative. Like Tampa Bay's minus 36, Seattle's minus 40, and that's just because they're sitting starters. Yeah. yeah I mean, Tampa Bay, 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 is our line. Yeah, Bay. Atlanta's minus 40. See, one of the worst teams in the NFC South is minus 40. When I say worst teams, when I say best teams, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 <clears throat> Dude, I think that that already I totally Wait. forgot about. What'd you forget? Go ahead, Rip. The NFC has four wins. Sorry, that's all. <laughs> oh lord. Yeah. Um, we also were through we two weeks of preseason. We have five wins: Arizona, uh, San Francisco, New yeah. Orleans, Chicago, and Washington. And the only team that's zero and three is the Cowboys. Oh, they've already played their third. That's right. They played the one. The uh, Cowboys and Steelers are playing four. Dak didn't play a single second. 
Why would they risk that? He's coming off Z. injury. I wouldn't. Only reason in. I thought is because to make him feel his leg again and feel how it is again. Oh. But yeah, that's smart to. The teams off, that haven't so. played, the teams that haven't played a, their starting quarterback yet are the Bills, Browns, the Ravens, the Titans. Uh, the Joe uh, Joe Burrow play? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, I haven't gotten that far yet. The Bengals. Oh. Um. The Titans. Um, did Carr play? I know Herbert hasn't played yet. I okay. The Chargers has Carr played for the I Raiders don't yet? I Think so. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. This is the first time that I've opened up the ESPN app in like That's six fun. months. He did not Out of play. Uh, has Jalen Hurts? Has Jalen Hurts played yet? Any of those teams? What has Jalen Hurts played Red? yet? I'm checking. Out of all the teams he just listed, only one of them has a loss. Yeah. Like they're all two and zero without any starter, no, without their starting quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Jalen hasn't played. Car did not. Green Bay played. Um, Aaron Rodgers didn't play. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers hasn't played. Kirk Cousins hasn't played. Dak Humphrey. hasn't played. Dak hasn't played. Uh, Matt Ryan played. hasn't played. Tom Brady hasn't played. Russell Wilson hasn't. Tyler Murray's thrown like three passes. Uh. Rams haven't played theirs. Yeah, the Rams have not played Stafford yet. And Russell Wilson has not played yet for the Seahawks. Yep, but that sounds about right for all the injuries last yeah. year. All the injuries they have this year. The Dude, it's kind of interesting that you see the teams that are playing their possible ones or twos. You know, you look at, like, Denver, and then you look at, um, oh, shit, uh, like, Washington. Like, Washington played Fitzmagic. Yeah. They need to see how he... Yeah, it's just interesting to see like how you know how far ahead some some teams think they are, really, and and yeah. like some teams are still trying to work stuff out this close to the season. I mean, but like I, this is just me saying that it's it's interesting. I'm not saying this is out of the blue, right? Because you have quarterback switches in the middle of the regular season. Yeah, I think it's also just getting a feel for like game speed for a lot of players, and especially for. Some situations you have a couple starting wide receivers in the case of like Jamar Chase who needs reps because he's having confidence problems and can't catch a ball to save his life. Yeah. Um, so give him those reps because he was looking really good in practice with Joe Burrow prior to the preseason games. So guys, how do we all feel now that the draft's over? Nobody joined me and Artie in Discord besides Ziggy. I was at... Uh... Chase and JP's house, sitting with them. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I feel great about my teams, to be honest. Uh, I feel really good. I'm I'm happy with my. my about to say, I have McCaffrey and Mixon in both leagues, and in one league I have McCaffrey, Najee Harris, and Mixon. Uh, I really like my running back. I have Mahomes and Zeke in one league, and then Mahomes and Aaron Jones in the other. Yeah, I'm more happy now. In the money league because james robinson yeah because james robinson <laughs> i know i already Dude, know i feel pretty good about my money league team i've got lamar and Jackson. i'm hoping william i i'm really actually somewhat happy that william fuller the fifth was suspended because he it made him a lower draft pick mm -hmm. but i think he'll be pretty solid 